Welcome to the Christian Worship Center podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and inspires you. Visit us online at cwcbayarea.com for service times and directions. It's important to understand that nothing just happens. And I want you to recognize that many of us want a better life, but not many are willing to make the choices necessary to experience a better life. Someone say amen. Come on, slap your neighbor. Tell him he's talking to you. Come on, I'm sitting now. If they're big, don't slap them too hard. But I want you to understand something, that we want a better financial life, we want a better relational life, we want a better spiritual life, we want a better physical life, but we don't want to do the things necessary to get those things done, and then we just complain about our situation, but nothing just happens. Last week I told you nothing just happens without vision. That vision is vital in order to bring about the things that you want in life and that God will take your burden and turn your burden into what? Vision. That God takes our burdens in life and he gives them back to us in, a, in the form of a vision. Vision is vital in order to bring about the purposes of God in your life because nothing just happens. Are you getting a flow that's going on this morning? Okay. Jazz, you capturing this, babe? Nothing just happens. And so you need to understand that you want something to happen. Your car's dirty. Now I wish my car was cleaner. It's not just going to happen. You're going to have to clean that car. Come on, somebody. Nehemiah chapter 2, if you would turn there, we're, we're going into the second part of what Nehemiah sees. Now, the walls of Jerusalem have been destroyed. They've been burnt down for over 100 years. Someone say 100 years. How many know that's a long time, right? It's a long time to have things kind of messed up. There's no gates. There's no walls. So the whole city and the people in the city are open to people coming in and taking whatever they want. And, you know, I I planted a garden this year. I've been talking about my garden and how much time we've been developing our garden. Well, we've never had so many pests show up like we have since we planted a garden. We got possums, skunks, squirrels, and even what they call tree rats showing up in my backyard. Oh, you telling me? I've been in the backyard with a gun. I, I haven't brought now. Now, don't hold on, hold on. Don't judge me. All right, but I haven't. I haven't brought out my. I, I haven't brought out my AR. My, my that's locked up. I went out. I, I bought a BB gun. I hit a couple of these tree rats, and they it shocked them, and then they just took off running. So I had to go get a bigger pellet gun with some anointed pellets. They're a little sharp at the end, so they pierce the skin of the rodents. Because I'm going to introduce some of these critters to Jesus. Because, when listen, you, you ne- the, the walls are important because walls keep things out. But when you have no walls up, anything's able to come into the garden of your life and begin to rip those things off that you've worked so hard to plant. And some of you have worked hard. It's not that you haven't worked hard. You've worked hard to bring about your harvest. But every time the harvest begins to come, that old devil comes in and begins to start ripping things off from you. So we have to get the walls back up again. Come on, somebody. 
And so for over a hundred years, these walls have been broken down and everything they've grown has been taken. And so in 52 days, Nehemiah gets a vision. And in 52 days, walls that have been destroyed for years were rebuilt in 52 days. Somebody say amen. I'm here to tell you and prophesy to you that you are 52 days away from your breakthrough. No, 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 no. You are 52 minutes away from your breakthrough. No, you're 52 seconds away from your breakthrough. That you are you're 52 milliseconds away. You are just one choice away from a new direction of rebuilding your walls and getting those. It starts with the choice because nothing just happens. Nehemiah says this early in following spring in the month of Nisan, during the 20th year of King Artaxerxes' reign, it was, I was serving the king his wine and had never appeared sad in his presence. So the king asked me, why are you looking so sad? You don't look sick to me. You must be deeply troubled. Now, how many are grateful for friends that can read you like a book? Now, some of you are easy to read. just hoping someone asks you what's wrong with you or you put that little emoji on Facebook and then no other thing so someone will ask you what's wrong are you okay this guy's trying to play it off and the king recognizes it I want you to know that you have a king in your life that knows everything that you're going through And he says, then I was terrified because this king, you can't show yourself sad if you're the cupbearer to the king. Because if you're looking sad and terrified as you're serving wine to the king, the king might think that you know it's poisoned. And so you're not really tasting it, you're preparing to kill him. So that's why he was terrified. Look what it says in verse 3. But I replied, long live the king. Listen, dude, I'm not trying to kill you. I want you to live long. He says... How can I not be sad for the city where my ancestors are buried is in ruins and the gates have been destroyed with fire? Verse 4, then the king asked, well, how can I help you? I believe we have a king in heaven that's asking you right now, how can I help you? Bow your heads as we pray. Father, help in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated this morning. Look at your neighbor, tell him nothing just happens. Upu, thank you, man. That hair is looking good, man. Heck of good. Nehemiah is looking sad in the presence of the king. Because as the cupbearer to the king, he has had the responsibility of giving the wine, the food to the king. He never looked sad in his presence because he was content up to this point. He had a great job, drove a great chariot with 24s on it. Subwoofers were 24s as well. Dude had Armani suits, lived in a great place, 
had a great retirement plan. Things were good in his life. He got the opportunity to sit next to the most powerful man in the world and have the opportunity to be in the statesman's arena. And yet during that time, everything was fine until he heard about what was going on in Jerusalem. And it was at that moment he wondered this question right here. How can I be happy while other people are miserable? How can I enjoy my life when I know that there's people are suffering? And there's some of you in here that that, that's who you are. With the suffering going on right now in Puerto Rico, some of you can't enjoy a hot meal. You have a hard time sleeping knowing that there's people that are struggling right now. You can't rest because you know that there's sex slaves that are going on, that human trafficking is going on. There are some things that have driven you that you can't rest when you know that there's homeless people out there that has caused you to get out and begin to feed them and take care of them because there's some of you that have a burden in your heart that has caused you to action. Yet there's some of you that are just okay with the suffering of others. Hey, dude, as long as I'm happy, as long as I got a roof over my head, I got something to eat, I'm good. As long as I'm okay. But there's a problem with that. Because in, in... There's three levels that we operate in as human beings. The first level is survival. Everyone say survival. Well, we're just trying to get by. I've been there. Now, how many of you have been to that place where you're just trying to get by? You got more month than you got check. Right? Uh, You're so broke you can't pay attention. Right? Yeah, and that's a reality. That's a reality because you're sitting there and you're so concerned even in church about your bills, you can't even focus in on the hope that is being shared with you. You can't pay attention because of all the problems and the things that are coming along, coming up, coming over you. But the reality is this, is that when we're in survival mode, we're just looking at ways of getting by. Whether you're on the street and doing your hustle or whether you're in an office doing your hustle, you're trying to get by. You're trying to make ends meet. You're trying to make things happen. You're turning off lights. You're, you're, you're saving water. You're doing whatever you can to survive. However, there's a second level that when we get past that level of survival, Survival, we find success. Everyone say success. success. Now, how many want to be successful? Come on. Now, now if your hand's not up, you, you either lying or you're not living. Because the reality is we all want to be successful, right? We all want, when a bill comes in, we want to pay it. There is no, one of the happiest days of times of my, of my, of my month is when the bills come in and I take care of my bills. When I pay my bills, I feel great when I've taken care of my bills because I'm like, mm, that's right. Mortgage, bam. Car payment, boom. You know what? Uh, PG&E, gotcha. You know what? I, I handled it. And I, I'm, not, I'm not worried about how I'm, we've, you've reached that level of success. You're no longer having to live, you know, check to check. You're no longer scared about just trying to make it through the day. You're wondering, God, just give me enough gas to get to the gas station. You're running on fumes half the time. And not just in your car, but in your life as well. But when you get to that level of success, you start experiencing nicer house, nicer car. All of a sudden, the clothes are a little nicer. You're you're experiencing some success. You're not just getting the things that you need in life. You're starting to begin to experience the things that you want. Come on, somebody. How, How many want success? Nothing wrong with that. The problem is when I was young, success is what I was after. 
But as I've gotten older, I begin to realize success means nothing if I'm the only one enjoying it. I, I, was, I was chill in Manteca. Being the assistant pastor at a large church, things were cool. Because I only had to drop a word every, every other month. And when I preached, everyone loved it because I only preached once a month, so it took me, or two, once every two months. So that word that I came up with, I was able to bring like a whole two months worth of study for that one message. And so when I dropped that word, people were like, dang, Pastor, you could preach. You should preach every week. <laughs> yeah, well, you know. <laughs> Little do they know it takes me eight times as long as my pastor to put together a message. That was until we heard about what was going on in San Jose. And hanging out next to Bishop and next to Pastor Steve, now all of a sudden me and my team no longer felt content. We felt a burden to help rebuild walls in the East San Jose area and help put up the gates in San Jose once again. I could have chilled. I, could, I could, could have had a plush life. Everything was great. My house was great over there. Try to move from, from Manteca to San Jose? Are you kidding me? Try to get a house that we had like that over, over here? Back then, 1.2, 1.3 mil? That was before. That was, that was during the crash. It's like, we're not going to be able to do that. It's like, and I ain't living in the hood. I'm going to reach the hood, but I, I, I ain't going to live there. I've done my hood time. I've lived in my hood moments. I've gone through my hood experience. And I didn't want to have to go back. I, I didn't, I, we, were, we lived in a hotel for a year. We struggled in that hotel, too. They had breakfast every morning. They had dinner every night. They would make the beds and clean the bathrooms and everything. At times, I'm ready to go back to that hotel, man. I'm sorry, I'm getting, kind of getting off track here. But as I got older, I began to realize that I, didn't want, I want my life to count. I don't want to just get, go through life and, have, and, and die with a bank account. I want to make sure that my life mattered, that I've impacted some lives. I'm not here to impress you. I hope I impact you. I'm not here to impress you with the things that I do or the things that I say. If you walk out of here and say, oh, he's a good preacher, I totally blew my whole purpose of being here today. But if you are impacted by the message and by the presence of God, then we accomplish the very thing that God sent us here to do today. Because there's a third level, and that third level is called significance. It's about making an impact in someone's life. It's not about just consuming everything. It's about taking your success and adding value to people around you. I'm here to tell you today, I pray that you don't get that if you're surviving right now, that God makes you successful, but that once you get to the level of success, that you choose to use your success and not just use it up, but help others get to that new level as well. Somebody say amen. See, Nehemiah understood that his success was, wasn't enough if it, if it only benefited him. So he took a chance. And what he did is he leveraged his influence to bring hope to others. See, some of you are connected to some influential people. And you have the ability to leverage your influence to help solve someone else's pain, someone else's hurt that's going on. Why? Because nothing just happens. That you might wish for something to take place, but you have to make a choice to make, an, make a difference. Nothing just happens. Last week without vision, but this week 
nothing just happens without agreement. Everyone say agreement. Now, agreement's a powerful thing. And what's a trip, what blows me away is this, is that when we talk about agreement, agreement is vital. See, we all need to walk with someone in life. We all need to come into agreement to walk with someone. And what's a trip is this, is that so many, and I see it in church all the time. Follow me on this. I see it in marriage all the time. I see it in, in family all the time. I see it in education. Is that we start walking with people, and then all of a sudden we get frustrated and we break relationship with people. And we start walking the path on our own. And then we try to get through life on our own. But you have to understand, you were never designed to walk this path alone. Even Tonto had, even, even the Lone Ranger had Tonto. We all need somebody. Somebody say amen. amen. You see, because in Nehemiah, after he's standing next to the king, the king tells him this. He says this, with the prayer to God of heaven, Nehemiah, says, what do you want me to do? Or, or what's going on with you? Nehemiah prays this prayer in his mind. Verse 5, I replied, if it pleases the king. If you are pleased with me, your servant, send me to Judah to rebuild the city where my ancestors are buried. Hey, king, check this out. Listen, I'm not being sad because I'm trying to kill you, but there's a burden on my heart that I see myself going back to rebuild the walls and the gates, and I think you can help me do that. If I found favor in your sight, if I've done the right things, if I've served you well, listen, don't ask for a favor if you haven't been faithful. You got, you got these jokers asking for things all the time, but you ain't never been faithful to God. You've never, you never done anything God asked, and yet we're asking favors from God, and yet we've never done anything for God. He was faithful, and so because of his faithfulness, it opened doors of favor. You ever get mad when you see someone else's favor that's on their lives? Yeah, why did they get that car? Why did they get that job? How they get that? How, how, how did she get married? Come on, don't hate. <laughs> now, if he could find a girl, I know anyone can find. You know, like, what's going on? Because favor isn't fair. Favor isn't always fair, but I want you to see what he does is that he goes to the king and he asks the king for agreement. King, will you agree with me on this? See, Nehemiah recognized, I can't accomplish this vision on my own. I need help to make this happen. And he knew someone that had the ability, the resources to make a difference. And so he makes that agreement, the appointment, a legal binding contract. He comes into agreement with the king and the king says, yeah, I'll help you. The book of Amos chapter 3 verse Verse 3 says, says this, how can two walk together unless they agree? Some of us are walking with people that you don't agree with. You don't share the same values. You keep ending up in the wrong place and you keep ending up in the wrong results and you keep ending up in the wrong situation. You got to wonder, who are you walking with? See, it is vital to the, who you connect to is vital to your direction in life. Who you are connected to, who I walk with, who I connect with. Babe, stand up for a second. I want you to see something. You got this is a problem with many marriages, with many relationships, is that you got two people that have said, I do, but they're heading in different directions. If you are going to be in a marriage, you're going to be in a relationship, you have to come into agreement with your direction. 
How can two walk together unless they agree? See, walking together is agreement that we're going to the same place. We have a vision for the same thing. And it's important that you connect yourself to someone that is going to help you stay on point. Connect yourself. Now, listen, I'm not just talking about a fine woman like this. She's mine. Find your own. But I want you to see, I'm talking about friendships as well. Who are you connected to in friendships? You know there's certain jokers you hang out with that as soon as you get together with them, you're going to end up in the wrong place with the wrong people doing the wrong thing. And then you wonder, why, why am I not progressing? you got to take a look because your connections are vital. Why? Because nothing just happens without agreement. And so you got to check who you're walking with. Ecclesiastes 4, verse 9. I'm almost done. Stay with me, all right? Ecclesiastes 4, 9 says this. Two are better than one. Someone say amen. amen. Now, again, we're not talking just relationships. We're talking friendships as well, business partnerships. Because for they can help each other succeed. If you're not succeeding, you got to find out who you're connected with. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But if someone falls alone, they're in real trouble. Likewise, people lying close to each other can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? Verse 12, a person standing alone can can be attacked and defeated. But two can stand back to back. Someone say back to back. And conquer. Three are even better, for a triple-braided cord is not easily broken. See, it's simple, simply stated as this. It's not good for man to be alone. Okay? And I'm not talking just, again, we're not talking male-female. We're talking friendship. You need partnership in life. Who are you connected with? Who are the friends that you can call on when you're in, in, in a struggle? Who are the people that you call on when you're in financial struggle, in a relational struggle, in a, in, in a mental struggle, in a, in, in, a, in a family situation? Who do you call in when you're, whenever you're going through a battle? That person that you call on is either going to help you get better or make you bitter. And you got to make sure that those connections you have are making you better, not bitter. See, vision takes agreement. We have to have agreement in order to accomplish the vision. Now, God said in Genesis, it's not good for man to be alone. That was in paradise. That's where everything was great. That's where everything was perfect. If it's not good to be alone in paradise where everything's great, how much more so is it not good to be alone when things are chaotic like right now? You need someone in life to help guide you, to help look at your neighbor, tell him he's talking to you. Come on, stay with me now, okay? <laughs> Who you are with will, number one, affect your success. Everyone say success. Ecclesiastes 4.9 says that person that you're connected to will determine your success. So who you're around right now will determine if you're successful. And so you got to begin to take a look. Are the people around me helping me get higher or taking me lower? you got to find out, are those individuals that I'm surrounding myself right now helping me succeed or helping me fail? Secondly, they'll either help you or hurt you. The Bible says that if you fall alone, you have no one to help you. But if you fall 
And there's a friend next to you that will help you back up again. How many of you know that you need someone that's going to stand next to you? Oh, come on. Let, I'm going to try this side. How many of you know that you need someone that will partner with you that will help you up when you fall? Amen. Amen. We need someone in life. See, I need you to understand. I don't need just someone to fight with me. I need someone that will fight for me as well. No, you, you didn't catch that. You see, this woman will fight with me. When I'm going off track, when I'm doing the wrong thing, when she doesn't feel like we're heading in the right direction, she'll speak up and she's willing to fight with me. She's willing to stand in my face and say, no, no, we're not. I don't agree with this. It's not a good financial choice. You know what? It's not a good business decision. If this is not a good direction that we're going, you need someone in your life that loves you enough to tell you no. Uh, you, I don't know if you're hearing me right now. See, the problem is some of us don't want to be told no. You think you have it all together. You think that you have all the answers. But you need someone in your life that has the ability to say no. But you know what? After we get done and we figure it out, after we get done fighting, she will rise up right next to me. Someone comes down against us, she'll fight right next to me. So I need someone that's going to fight with me as well. I don't just need someone telling me, no, it's not going to work. No, it's not going to happen. No, we're not going to do it. No, this isn't going to take place. I need someone that's also willing to stand up and say, okay, yes, let's fight for this. Let's get to it. Let's go at it. You know what? And there's no someone that there's no one I would rather fight next to than her. Why? Because one of the things I found is this, is that we're not both weak at the same time. We, we've gone through some troubles in life with, with, our, with, with our baby girl when she was sick. We've gone through some troubles in life as we've, got, as we've gone on. And yet during those times, I found that when I was weak, she was strong. And when she was ready to give up, I stepped up. I just thank God we've never been down at the same time. Because that's why two are better than one. Come on, somebody. Third thing I want you to see is this, is it helps you survive your environment. It talks about two have the ability to lie together to make themselves warm. This isn't talking necessarily a man and a woman. It's talking about soldiers that have gone out to fight. And if they end up in the wintertime in, in an encampment, that they end up getting killed if they're by themselves because the, the environment will kill them. Some of you are in an environment of hostility that you are trying to survive on your own and that you, you're not having the ability to stand. I need someone that's going to help me be able to withstand my environment. Some of you are in some hostile environments right now at work. You're in some hostile environments at school. You're in some hostile environments in your, in your, where your house is at. But I need you to understand that you need someone next to you that has the ability to get you through the environments of life to help you survive survive the winters of life someone that's going to stand next to you and the last thing he says is this is that if you get attacked that you have the ability to withstand an attack when someone comes against you why because you have someone that now one person the bible says one can set a thousand to flight but two can set what if you use math look god doesn't do math like we do you ever heard the, the, the story of the man that went to god and said god how long is a million years to you? He says, a second. He goes, God, how much is a million dollars to you? He goes, a penny. He goes, God, I have one more question. Can I have a penny? God said, in a second. 
Some of y'all will get that on the way home. John chapter 14, verse 16 says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another, someone say another, advocate who will never leave you. In other words, Jesus is saying, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the comforter. I'm here. But I'm about to go. Because in order for the Holy Spirit to come, I have to go. Because right now, I'm carrying the fullness of the Holy Spirit with me. And I could stay here on earth and have the fullness of the Holy Spirit, or I can go and send the fullness of the Holy Spirit to you. And I want to share him with you. I want you to experience what it's like to have the breath of God again. I want you to experience what it is to have God in you, not just around you. I'll send you another advocate who will never leave you. Someone say, never leave you. Oh, come on, somebody. You might right now, you're saying, well, Pastor Dan, those four things you put up there are great, but I don't have anyone. Yes, you do. You have an advocate. You have the Holy Spirit that says, I will never leave you or forsake you. I got your back. No matter what you go through, I'm going to be there. That word in the Greek is paraclete, which is two words. One of them is this, to be close beside or kaleo, to make the call. Now, once again, girl, put your stuff down. Come on up here. I want you to, she's not my Holy Spirit, okay? I'm serious because she speaks, she's always correcting or, or speaking things that kind of get me back on track. And so that word means to cl- be close beside or to make a call. And that word paraclete is someone that's right next to you that makes calls in your life, that gives you right judgment. Like a lawyer in, the, in a court case, a counselor, a helper, that you're about to do something, she has the ability, the Holy Spirit has the ability to stop you and say, it's not a good way. It's not a good choice. Do this and go this way instead. Now, now follow me on this, okay? Pastor Matt preached years ago about the paraclete. And he talked about how it's a Greek word that also identified a Greek soldier that fought alongside you. Now, the Greek, as I did some research this week, this, this paraclete is exactly that. They went into battle paired up. And what they did is this, that whenever the enemy attacked, they went back to back. The soldier with his paraclete. Yeah, she's taller than me. Get over it, all right? <laughs> Come on, just, yeah, I see some of you. Dang. I saw you, Leah. I saw your eyes, girl. Give me that. It's the only thing that just woke you up. Girl, she was just like, oh, dang. <laughs> the paraclete has your back. Do you you understand the the significance of that? Is that when they went into battle surrounded by armies, it didn't matter who came against them because you had someone that... All you had to do was worry about what was in front of you. So I don't have to worry about anyone stabbing me in the back because they got to get through the Holy Spirit first. I ain't worried about who's behind me. I ain't worried about people attacking me. I'm not worried about what they got to say. Why? Because the Holy Spirit got my back. I'm here to tell you something. The Holy Spirit has your back. That if you're walking with God, he's got your back. He's got you covered. You don't have to worry about anyone coming up behind you. Your back is got. Let me me just share it in the Greek. Your back is got. In the Hebrew, your back is got. 
Ebonics, your back is got. God got your back. You're taken care of. You don't have to worry about what's coming behind you. It's behind you for a reason. Proverbs 24, 16. I want to speak to your heart, worship teams, if you would help me as we land the plane on this. Proverbs 24, 16. Though a righteous man falls, how many times? He will get up. Though he falls, what? What's the Bible call him? A what man? A righteous man. I don't know about you. Most people I see that fall seven times in a row, I'm like, man, that dude's jacked up. (laughs) Right? You see someone walk out of a club downtown San Jose and they fall down. You pick them back up again and they fall down again. They do it seven times in a row. Righteous isn't usually the right word that comes out of my mouth. That's a righteous man right there. (laughs) Right? Yet in our spiritual lives, we do the same thing where we end up getting drunk in our own lust, our own desires, and we stumble along the way. And we keep falling over and falling over and falling over. And we get so down on ourselves that we're trying to get somewhere, but we can't get anywhere because we keep falling over. But I'm here to tell you something. It's not what you've done that makes you righteous. It's what he's done. It's what he's accomplished in your life. The the thing that makes him righteous is his ability to get back up again. That although I got knocked down, I'm going to get back up again. Although I got knocked down, I'm going to get back up. Some of you in here, I want you to understand that you got another get up in you. That there's one more get up that you have. And I'll tell you this, no one can knock you out if you just keep getting back up again I'm here to tell you something this morning I'm here to speak life to your situation right now that it's time to get up it's time to come into agreement with God it's time to come into agreement with God who God says you are some of you have come into agreement with what your past says you are with what your ex-husband says you are, with who your friends and family say you were, but I'm here to tell you it's time to come into agreement with who God says you are, that you are an overcomer, you are the head and not the tail, a lender and not a borrower, above and not beneath, that you are a champion, that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world, that this day that God has called you righteous, that God has called you his own, that today if you could just rise up, if you could just get up one more time, Just get up one more time. Righteousness isn't about being perfect. It's about getting back up and pursuing the things God has laid before you. Keep heading the right direction. Get up and move forward. Bow your heads right where you are for one moment. Thank you for downloading this message. For more information on our church, visit us at cwcbayarea.com. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash CWC Bay Area.